Shalom and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. This Shabbat, we stand on the cusp not only of a new book in the Torah, but also uh, we are coming into a new Hebrew month. The month of Shabbat uh, will begin next week. And so there's a special blessing that we say um, as we begin to welcome in Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the new Hebrew month. And it speaks to something that I think is a really powerful element of Jewish tradition that I learned from my teacher, Rabbi Dahlia Marks, Uh, in Israel, which is that Judaism is a time-based religion. And not just that, but we tend not to think of time in terms of one long line stretching from past, present, to future, but actually as a series of cycles. I like to think of it as kind of like a spring. And so you have the cycle of each day. Of course, we have the seven-day cycle of each week, six days, and then Shabbat. And we have the cycles of the months as well. And so with the new moon brings on the new month. And so I'll invite us all to please rise as we are able, as we turn to page 261. Together in the English, our God and God of our ancestors, may the new month bring us goodness and blessing. May we have long life, peace, prosperity, a life exalted by love of Torah and reverence for the divine, a life in which the longings of our hearts are fulfilled for good. Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Yeh Bayom Chamishi, the new month of Shvat will begin next Thursday. For all of these prayers and blessings we say together, amen. Please be seated. My grandpa, may he rest in peace, Allah HaShalom, would always comment, and even though I don't think this was his intention, he would actually echo the words of the prophet of uh, the poet and philosopher Ecclesiastes, when he would say, there's no new stories. All these movies and TV shows, he would continue, are just the same as the old ones. They just keep rehashing them. Now, of course, he said all of this in a very strong and thick Brooklyn accent that I don't think I would be able to replicate even today. And in many ways, I do think he was right. Each year we see remakes of classic stories from decades ago, and usually with a modern twist. Whether it's the Disney remakes of their classic animated films, new versions of Broadway hits like A West Side Story, or a third version of A Star is Born, there is no shortage of rehashing in today's world. Now for some, you might see this as a shameless effort Uh, in producing blockbusters on the part of Hollywood executives without any creative innovation. But it could also be said that at the end of the day, a good story is a good story. And good stories transcend time periods and cultural change. 
that there is something about them that speaks to a core reality of the human experience. Now, perhaps one of the more successful kind of rehashing in recent years has been the widely popular series of Marvel superhero movies. These films, for many, reintroduced classic characters from long-running comic books like Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Black Widow, the Black Panther, and many, many others. They're still making them. It's, it's endless. Though certainly not the first in film adaptations of comics, the series of blockbusters took the world by storm, inspiring many, including yours truly, to dive deeper into the comic book world after feeling a, a little bit of resistance. It would seem that these films touched on something innate to us as humans, a deep love and appreciation for a hero's journey. We awe at their powers, and despite their many flaws, which make them all the more relatable, by the way, we always seem to root for them to succeed. Of course, having a seemingly endless budget for mind-blowing visual effects do, does do a lot to help capture our imaginations. But at the end of the day, nearly pretty much all of us need heroes. We need people who inspire us, who represent the best parts of us, and who challenge our notions of what is possible. Now this human fascination with the exploits of mythic heroes is certainly nothing new. In his 1949 book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, writer and critic Joseph Campbell famously outlined the archetype of the hero's journey that applies to most, if not all, tales of heroes that come to us from ancient cultures. Though the book defines 17 steps that heroes take along their path to fame, he summarizes their narrative arcs as a hero ventures forth from the world of common day into a region of supernatural wonder. Fabulous forces are there encountered and a decisive victory is won. The hero comes back from this mysterious adventure with the power to bestow boons on their fellow humans. We can see this typical three-act structure in so many of the stories that we still love today, from Star Wars to Captain America and more. But as with any framework that seeks to encompass many different stories from many different cultures, it does have its drawbacks and blind spots. Still, it remains a powerful critical tool in analyzing what makes the story of a hero so compelling and so lasting in human memory. Heroes inspire us, embody the best of who we are as people, and yet are made all the more impactful by their flaws and their imperfections. None of us are perfect, but each of us has a unique gift that we can bring to the world, whether on a galactic scale or in our simple day-to-day -day lives. This week, as we begin the book of Exodus, we are introduced to the greatest hero in the millennia-old consciousness of the Jewish people, Moses. In many ways, Moses' story within these first six chapters of Exodus follows Joseph Campbell's prototype. He departs from his familiar world after fearing retribution from Pharaoh in Egypt. He is called to a quest by a divine mentor figure, 
He is resistant to this charge, but eventually summons the courage to embark on this new journey. And finally, he returns home with a new sense of purpose and divine powers that will help his people. Though not perfect, Moses travels along a similar path to the one that Campbell described, moving from departure to initiation and finally to return. And all of this happens within the first six chapters of Exodus. How's that for succinct storytelling? But of course, this isn't the end of Moses' story. It's really just the beginning. The beginning of a larger mission to usher the Israelite people into a new future. However, there are so many ways that Moses doesn't fit the mold of the hero as Joseph Campbell might have seen them and certainly as we see them today. Moses is not lauded for his military prowess in our tradition nor his exceptional wisdom or intelligence, but instead Moses is seen as Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher, the the one who brought our Jewish social contract into being and who at all times is both strengthened and something sometimes hindered by his profound humility and his lack of self-assurance. In him, we do not see the bravado and the eloquence of Odysseus, the super strength of Thor, Superman, or the ingenuity of Iron Man. We do not depict him as the image of perfection, flawless, gilded in gleaming armor with a radiant beauty. Instead, we relate to Moses as a simple person who did great things, of course, but someone who was guided by a willingness to learn from his mistakes, to listen to the wisdom of those around him, and who continues to be plagued by his own weaknesses as a person and as a leader. Not to mention he had a pretty fiery temper. The significance of Moses as a conduit as a spokesperson, both for God and for the Israelites, eventually culminates in the somewhat anticlimactic end to his story, a lonely death in an unknown place. From this, our text seems to teach us that it is not the person themselves that we should venerate, but instead the great work that he helped to create. Every hero has some kind of flaw. They're kryptonite as it were. Thor has pride and vanity. Odysseus has hubris, a word I only learned when we were reading the Odyssey in school. Black Widow struggles with a troubled past, and Iron Man is selfish and uh, resistant to working with others. These flaws are what make them uniquely human and relatable to us ordinary folk who cherish their stories. In the case of Moses, among his flaws is what we, were, we would refer to now as a speech impediment. When God calls on Moses to speak to Pharaoh on the Israelites' behalf, he doubts if God made the right choice, saying, Lo ish dvarim anochi, for I am not a man of words, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So this God famously responds, who gives humans a mouth with which to speak? Who makes them with different abilities, whether mute, deaf, or blind? Is it not I, the eternal? Now go, 
and I will be with you as you speak. We might think of Moses' speech impediment as a minor thing, but it is really quite significant. One of the things we often look for in leaders and heroes is eloquence, the ability to weave words that inspire and provoke us to action. How could you have a leader, let alone a prophet, who struggles with speech? The medieval commentators debated this very question. One of the most powerful explanations comes from Nachmanides, a 13th century scholar and mystic living in northeastern Spain, who writes that Moses was born with this flaw, quote, so that it not so that it not be thought that it was his eloquence which made Israel and its leaders his followers. He continues by saying, for people with glib tongues have been known to attract multitudes and to have their lies taken for truth. Nachmanides views Moses' impediment as actually being one of his strengths, and a strength that enables him to lead through action. And to, and to lead with the truth. He sees God's response to Moses as the explanation. For God makes all kinds of people, each with their own strengths and their own weaknesses. And these should not discount their ability to serve as our heroes and our leaders and our teachers. Jewish tradition has long accounted for many varieties of people in our communities whether it be different genders or differently abled folks. As Faith Fogelman notes in an article for the Institute of Jewish Ideas and Ideals, disabilities have often, and in our own tradition as well, been seen as signs of inferiority or reasons for shame. Now this is true both of our ancient and medieval traditions and is unfortunately still true in our own communities today. But, she argues, we can learn to be more inclusive, embracing and accommodating to those with different abilities so that all may feel welcome as part of our sacred community. After all, as God's response to Moses shows, all of humanity is created in God's image. If we look at the creation of humanity in the book of Genesis, we see a curious verse that says, let us make humanity in our likeness the first person plural, our. One way we could read this is that there are many forms of the divine likeness. For us as Jews, the spark of divinity within us do not, does not mean we fit into one singular idea of perfection, but we embrace the beautiful diversity of humanity. The reality is that so many in our community have different abilities. Some may call them disabilities. Some are seen externally, and some are internally. For myself, when I was in fourth grade, I was diagnosed with attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Some refer to it as ADD. And for a long time, I thought this was something to fight against, to overcome. And I struggled for a long time with why certain things that seemed easy or straightforward for other people were much more difficult for me. I struggled with that part of myself for a very long time. But 
in due time, I realized that my own disability, though not often seen, is part of what makes me who I am. It's part of that divinity that rests within me. And so too is that the case for so many in our community that have different abilities and different needs based off of who they are. They are not flaws. They are not uh, stigmas or things to be avoided or looked down upon, but they are part of our sacred nature. Now our tradition has a special blessing upon meeting special or unique people, people that are unlike ourselves. And it reads, Baruch Mishaneh et Habriot. Blessed is the one who creates diversity or who has, who creates many different types of creations. And this teaches us that not only are our differences simply part of being human, but they are actually part of the divine plan for us. We too can see the differently abled not as less than, but as sacred and essential parts of our community. Now we here at Temple strive to be as inclusive and accommodating as possible, but there's always room to improve. So if there's something that would help us be better in our accommodations, please feel free to reach out to myself, any member of our clergy team, our uh, new executive director, Mark Golner, or anyone on our staff. Moses was indeed not a man of words, and yet he went on to be the greatest hero in millennia of Jewish consciousness. If we see his flaw as actually a strength, if our text see his, sees his flaw or the thing that he is most insecure about as his strength, then we too will see the heroes and leaders and teachers in places we might not traditionally expect. Because these heroes are in fact all around us. They're just waiting for that call to action. They're waiting for their divine mission, their chance to change the world. Baruch Mishaneh et Habriot, blessed is the one who creates diversity in the world. Let us say together, amen. amen.